All right, once again, welcome. I'm Pastor Brian Foreman, and we're going to start with today's message. Uh, over the past several months, I've been spending a lot of time working on my house. How many of you have stuff that needs to be done around your house? Yes, that seems to be a never-ending uh, journey, doesn't it? And I was talking to somebody who was helping me with a project, and I hadn't seen him in forever, and he asked me uh, if, how that project turned out. And I realized we really haven't done anything since he was helping me, and that that was five years ago. And I was embarrassed, and I said, we have got to finish that project. There are lots, when you're a homeowner, it seems like there are always unfinished projects. There's unfinished business around. Uh, but sometimes the unfinished business is even more significant than that, is it not? And that's what we've been talking about in this series where we started last week going through uh, this uh, idea of unfinished business. And speaking of unfinished business, let me welcome those of you who are watching or listening online. We're so glad that you are a part of what we are doing here at Cornerstone. And I would love for you to check in. If you go to our church app and click on the check in button, you, you let us know that you are here. That encourages us to know that you're out there. And it also allows us to be in contact with you and encourage you as well. So go to our church app and hit check in or go to cornerstonenh.org slash here, as in I'm here, and you'll be able to check in as well. So don't let that unfinished business go for those of you that are here and for those of you that are watching and listening online. Sometimes our unfinished business, however, is a little bit more significant. Uh, sometimes there are relationships that are not quite what we had hoped they would be, and we'd like to see that business become finished and to see that happen. Sometimes we have uh, dreams and hopes and plans that sometimes uh, don't come true, and we're still hopeful for a while, and we still think you know that life that we had hoped for and that we were longing for and that we had planned for might still come true, but then time passes over time, and it becomes more and more difficult to have that hope. And sometimes uh, it's even a God thing where we feel like God has given us an idea or a vision or a calling, and we start out with a lot of energy and excitement and hope, but then things don't go as we had intended or had planned or how we felt like maybe sometimes that God had promised. And we wonder, is God going to give up? Is God still in this? Did I miss here? What is the deal? Sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it's calling. Sometimes it's things that we would like to see happen, but there's always a sense of unfinished business. And so uh, this whole series and the book of Titus is all about unfinished business. And we see that in the introduction. This is a little bit of review, just to kind of bring you up to speed. In the opening of the book of Titus, the apostle Paul is writing to his apprentice and his coworker in the gospel, Titus. And when describing his calling, he says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. He gives the purpose to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. In other words, we, 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 want, to, we want to see progress made. And last week in part one, we said that you are, God's unfinished business, and God never leaves business unfinished. We see that we want to further our faith. God wants to take you someplace, and you 
are God's unfinished business, and he never leaves his business unfinished. Uh, we were encouraged by Philippians 1.6 that says, and I am certain that God, Paul, again, writing to the church at Philippi, who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished. That is the assurance that we have as believers in Jesus Christ, that the good work that he has begun in us, he will complete. And no matter how many fits and starts and slips and slides and three steps forward and five steps back we feel like we're taking, we have the confidence that God is at work in our lives and he when he has unfinished business, never leaves that business unfinished. And today, we're going to continue with that theme because I believe that God's got unfinished business for you to do. God has work in you that he is going to carry through to completion, and he has given you unfinished business for you to accomplish as well. Again, this is a little bit of review, but remember in the introduction to the book of Titus, Paul says, I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there. He's like, I, the whole reason that you're there where you are is because you have work to do. I have work to do, and I sent you there, left you there for that particular purpose. Another translation puts it this way. The reason I left you in Crete was so that you might put in order what was left unfinished. There's unfinished business, and the apostle Paul appointed, selected, commissioned Titus to accomplish that work. And remember, we said that there were two aspects to it, which we'll get into a lot more detail as the series goes on. One was the, un, the, the, the put in things in order. There were people who were acting out of order, acting in such a way that did not align with the gospel, with the message. And so Paul is commissioning Titus to address those issues and get people back on track. And then the second aspect is once they're on track to make sure that there are appropriate leaders in place. He says, and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. So the apostle Paul is commissioned by Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul commissions Titus to accomplish, to finish the work that the unfinished business that was left to do in Crete. And that once those people moved along in that process, grew in their faith, got rid of some of the stuff that didn't belong and embraced the stuff that did, then they could be appointed, commissioned as leaders in the church to take the church forward and to finish what was left unfinished. So the question that we're really asking is, is God done with me yet? For those unfinished business for that unfinished business, for those dreams that you might be tempted to give up on for a phase of life where you feel like you are finished and you're not sure what's next. Is God done with me yet? And also, I think this has application for us as a church as well because after the last couple of years and all the ups and downs, there are a lot of churches asking, is God done with us yet? <laughs> Because things are not as they were. They are not as good as we had hoped that they'd be. They're certainly not as good as they could be. Is God finished with us yet? And I believe wholeheartedly that whatever, look, whatever, whatever life looks like for you and for us as a church next, that God is not done with us yet. 
there is unfinished business left and God never leaves business unfinished. So the question is for today, what's next? And that's the title of today's message. What we're really talking about today, if you could sum it up in just one word, is the idea of purpose. The idea of purpose. Does God have a purpose and a plan for you? Does God have a purpose and a plan for you where he has you in this place and time? And does God have a purpose and a plan for us as followers of Jesus collected together in a church body? Does God have purpose for us? And as I've already said, the bottom line for today, the big idea, the one thing that I want you to get is that God has unfinished business for you you to do. And that applies to us individually. God has business, unfinished business for you to do. And I also think it applies to us corporately, a you being the plural. God has unfinished business for us to do, for you, for us as a church body. So uh, let, me, let me look at that and let me unpack that with you. But basically, here's what I'm going to say. We have a mission to accomplish. That's part of our unfinished business. And we'll come back to this, so don't freak out if you don't get all these right away. We have a next step to take. Each of you has a next step to take. And each of us individually and we as a body have a decision to make. So that's what we're going to talk about. And the application, the way that we're going to put the rubber to the road and take this forward into Monday through Saturday is, uh, number one, we need to know where we stand with Jesus. Do you, have you ever had a time where you have said yes to Jesus? You've unequivocally and unquestionably crossed the line of faith and surrendered your life to Jesus. And then once you're on that path, you need to continue on that path. You need to take a step towards greater participation in his body. There's no such thing at, you know, when in the olden times when they wanted to send a message, they would draw and quarter somebody. They would send the pieces everywhere. Uh, so the body of Christ needs to be whole. We need to be together. We need to be functional. We need to be connected with one another if we're going to function. I know that was kind of a gross illustration, but <laughs> just go with me. Uh, take a step towards greater participation by. There's no such thing as a part of the body of Christ that's not connected and active with the body of Christ. So I'm going to read a passage that actually is not from the book of Titus. And uh, that's going to serve as kind of a backdrop, and I'm going to kind of have a dialogue with it through the message. And it's also the message that you will, or I'm sorry, the, the passage that you will come back to at the end. You're in tables because part of our experience today is for you to be able to interact, to read and respond to God's word together. And this is the passage that we'll come back and look at at that time. So let me read it to you. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 6. At the beginning, verses 1 through 8, again, this is the Apostle Paul, and this time he's writing to the church at Corinth, and this is what it says. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. We live, listen to this, we live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault with our ministry. 
In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. Let me say that again. God's power is working in us. We use weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and on the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. We just said that your power is at work within us by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we believe that your Holy Spirit inspired these words. We believe that your Holy Spirit is alive and today and speaking to us. And so we just open up our lives and our hearts and minds to you. Lord, I pray that each one of us would hear from today's message, from your word, exactly what we need to hear. And then you would give us the courage, the faith, the initiative to act on it and to do what you would have us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, the bottom line for today, main idea is that God has unfinished business. There we go. God's got unfinished business for you to do. First thing is that we have a mission to accomplish. Again, we said, look at the very beginning of the letter of Titus. An Paul describes himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. What does an apostle mean? It's someone who is sent, someone who is sent with a message on a mission. And Paul says, that's me. I'm a man on a mission with a message. Notice that Timothy, part of his, I'm sorry, Titus, part of his mission was to appoint elders. Paul had been sent by Jesus on a mission with a message. Now Titus has been given the job to appoint leaders, elders in the church to be people who are safeguarding the message and stewarding the mission that he, they have been given. And even, the, even Titus has a mission to accomplish here. I left you on the island of Crete so that you could complete our work there. Now, is this just for Paul? Is this just for the churches on Crete? Is this just for the uh, uh, Titus? No, because all of us who claim the name of Jesus have been given a commission, a mission. We know it as the Great Commission. In its essence, found in Matthew 28, 19, it says this, go and make disciples of all the nations. Jesus, before he left earth again, said, this is what I want you as my people to be about. My physical body died, resurrected, and ascended into heaven, but I'm going to leave my spiritual body, the people of Jesus, inspired and filled by the Holy Spirit of Jesus. Well, I'm gonna leave you here to be 
the body of Jesus. Now, sometimes if you've been in church for a while, that kind of loses its power, but, but the, and we, we just equate the body with the church, and the church is the body of Christ, and that's all true. But think about that for just a second. The body of Christ is Jesus' physical presence in our world today. You are the physical presence of Jesus in our world today. You are the physical presence of Jesus in our world today. He's gonna to be working through you. And his goal, his plan, his commission to you is to make disciples. Now, what does that mean? The rest of the verse kind of helps you out. It starts out by saying, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, what is baptism? Baptism is that ceremony that is a, is a rite of initiation, R-I-T-E, a rite of initiation. It's when you say, I'm gonna follow Jesus, what do we do with you? We baptize you because that's how we celebrate and commemorate that decision. So what it's saying there is you take somebody who was not following Jesus, they decide to follow Jesus and you baptize them to celebrate and commemorate that. That's the starting point. Now, what I want you to notice is they start not following Jesus, right? So making disciples is not just a, a learning and growing. It's, it's planting the seed. It's seeing that seed sprout. It's taking a person who is not following Jesus, somebody who's irreligious and uninterested, and turn them into somebody who is saying yes to Jesus and following Jesus and declaring their allegiance to Jesus. It's a starting point. But then it goes on from there, teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. It's not just enough to get started on that journey. You have to continue on that journey. So what is a disciple? A disciple, my best translation of that word is an apprentice. It's a, it's a learner. It's somebody who is not just learning, but learning, doing. An apprentice is somebody who is learning how to do a task. And if you are an apprentice of Jesus, you are learning how to be the body of Jesus, be the physical presence of Jesus in the world today, empowered by the Holy Spirit, directed by the Holy Spirit, in step with the Spirit, and displaying what Jesus was all about to the world. So it is a process. Now, is, uh, it's not just a job for uh, people back in the Old Testament, it's a uh, New Testament, it's not just a uh, generic thing. This is the job for us. And so when we got started as a church, I used to describe it this way. You can drive down 93 and you can count the church steeples in Concord. What Concord needs is not another church. We got churches. What Concord needs is church for people who didn't think they were interested in church. That's what, that's what we need because the mission is there. Let me ask you a question. Are there more people in here or out there today? We got a mission to do, do we not? Right? The mission is not completed. The business is not finished. So do I think God is done with his church? Do I think God is done with you as a people? No, because God's business is still unfinished and he never leaves his business unfinished. And I think the same motivation that caused us to, to want to plant a church 
almost 20 years ago is still a really good motivation because there are more people out there than in here. And why are they out there and not in here? Is it because they don't know about church? Is it because they've never heard of Jesus? No, in many cases, the reason they're out there and not in here is because they've been to a church. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? And so what our goal was, was to remove all the unnecessary barriers to the gospel because we as the church sometimes put a lot of unnecessary barriers and steps in people's way to stumble over on their way to trying to get to Jesus. Instead of what what we should be doing is like clearing the path, making a way, you know, you want to come to Jesus? We got the path for you. But instead, we put all these barriers. Well, you got you to gotta act a certain way. You got to like this kind of music. Uh, you, you vote this way? Well, we don't want you around here. That we put all of these different barriers. Whereas, do you, did you notice what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians? We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. Jesus gave a very severe warning. He said, it would be better for somebody to be, have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the sea than cause one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble. God have mercy on us because of our bad behavior and our ungodliness that puts a stumbling block in the way of people who are trying to get to Jesus. May it never be for us. And so what we tried to do was to create a church for people who didn't think they were interested in church. Just really, and there are all kinds of reasons for that. Let me just give you an example. Our leadership team was having a conversation a while ago. I don't remember exact context, but, um, but I'll give you, I, I went back to, it's like, okay, what drew, what drew you guys to the church? And it was Paul and it was Kent and I remember very clearly Paul said, you know, they had been looking around different churches. They had been trying to find a church and trying to seek after God. But when they went to church, a lot of the preaching was, it just wasn't helpful, I think was the word that he used. And it's like, what are we doing, church? <laughs> you know, here's a person who is seeking after God. See, I want to know. And, and we're doing stuff and saying stuff that isn't helpful. It's not meeting a need. Uh, then Kent, I remember a big part of his story was um, that when he encountered some people that were a part of our core team and just found that they were authentic and real. They weren't trying to be something that they weren't. They were honest and upfront about their failings and s- sincerely seeking to follow Jesus, not trying to put on airs, not hypocritical. And that was very attractive to him to see a people who were like that. So meeting a need and then being real. In the early days of 
cornerstone. Uh, there used to be a religion section in the Concord Monitor. I don't think there is anymore, but whenever a new church would pop up, they would interview the pastor and do a story, and they did a story on us. And I remember sitting in the Concord Monitor, sitting across from the reporter as we were, she was asking me questions, and I was describing uh, being a church for people who didn't think they were interested in church, the authenticity and, and uh, being Jesus-centered, gospel-centered. I don't remember the words that I said, but she had come from a church background, was not in, in, involved in a church. And um, I was describing relevance. That's what the teaching part is. That's Paul's story. I was describing being real. That was, uh, that was a big part of Kent's story. And she said, she reflected on it, and this didn't make it in the article, of course, but she said, that sounds refreshing. That sounds refreshing. And so I had our tagline for the early days, relevant, real, and refreshing. <laughs> but how many times do people show up at church wanting to be refreshed, wanting to receive life? And it's bickering, dead. It's all about other issues and they go away, and it's just not there. Now, I love the church. I want to see the church thrive. Over the 20 years that we've been here, there has been so much good. God is at work in the church. I love the church. I'm not dissing the church, but we need to be. And just like other churches are, are, are um, endeavoring to be, a church for people who didn't think they were interested in church. Now, some people will show up because they are interested in church. Here's a, here's a, little, here's a little key to the strategy. The same things that keep unchurched people away from church are the things that keep church people away from church. And if you design a church that takes care of all those unnecessary barriers that people stumble over so that unchurched people love your church, people who have been to church will love your church too. So we don't have to worry about that, okay? So there is unfinished business. We have a, we have a message and a mission to accomplish. And the need is just as great, if not greater, than ever before. There are more people out there than in here. And this was one of the motivating um, passages for uh, me, especially when we were getting started. It's in Ephesians chapter two, it's just describing the situation in our world today. Speaking to believers, the church at Ephesus, but describing the way things used to be for them. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. When a person is in their transgressions and sins, doesn't know Jesus, doesn't have the forgiveness of Jesus, doesn't have the life of Jesus, then you are spiritually dead. You might be walking and talking, but you are the walking dead, right? You were dead in your transgressions and sins. What does Jesus want for that person? He said in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus said, came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. They are, uh, there, there are a lot of people dead in their transgressions and sins, but Jesus wants them to have life and have it abundantly. And so that gave rise to one of our other taglines that I've been using a lot more recently, life better. Following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. And that's not just a marketing ploy, that's Jesus' words. He, he wants you to have life and he wants you to have it abundantly. But here is, here is the, the phrase that just really struck, struck in my heart as we were getting started. In that same passage in Ephesians, it, it says, again, of the people before they came to Jesus, you lived in the world, with, in this world, without God and without hope. 
without hope and without God in the world. That's, that's our story, right? That's, we, we can tell stories about what it's like to be without God and without hope in the world. And there are people all around us going through life, facing the same challenges, the same difficulties, the same heartbreaks that we are, but without God, without hope and without God in the world. Would you say that there's some unfinished business to do in our world, that maybe the mission of Jesus is just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago when he gave it? I believe that we have a mission to accomplish, and God is not done with that mission. I also think that God has unfinished business for you to do, you personally. And that means that we have a next step to take. Just like I was describing with the, with the Great Commission, it's not just enough to say, yes, I belong to Jesus, to pray the prayer, to get wet in the water. That, that is the beginning of a path, and you've got next steps to take. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Philippi, put it this way, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made how many of us could say that? You know, we, we agreed to that. We're authentic about that. That's one of the things that will attract others to you is you re- when you uh, say like the Apostle Paul, I don't have this all figured out. I don't have it all together, but, <clears throat> excuse me, there's, there's, there's a next step to take. But the Apostle Paul puts it this way. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Some of you need to forget your past. You're not taking next steps because you're looking at the past, broken relationships, failures, trips, stumbles, handicaps, whatever the case may be, and forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. What is your next step? Believe that God has one for you. This is what the Apostle Paul says, continuing that passage. I press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. We start on the process. We go through the process. So another thing that you've heard around Cornerstone, you've heard me say it many times if you've been a part of the church for any period of time, is that we welcome people wherever they are on their spiritual journey and encourage them along one step at a time. If you're going to see the mission accomplished, you have to welcome people that are not like you, don't believe like you, don't act like you, don't vote like you, don't whatever like you because they ain't there yet. And you're probably not either. We just talked about that, right? So we welcome people wherever they are on their spiritual journey. There is no minimum barrier of entry to walking through that door. We don't have an interview process. But isn't that what people stumble over on the way into church so many times? It's, they don't formally do that, but they, they do it very informally. And you know whether you've passed the test or not. So we're gonna welcome people wherever they are on their spiritual journey, but then encourage them along one step at a time. There are next steps for you to take. Um, when I was in college, it was the uh, fastest growing period in my life. I'd already accepted Jesus, already planned to be a part of, uh, to, to be in ministry, but that was the first time I was surrounded by people my own age who were serious about serving the Lord, 
We worked together, we played together, we lived together, we studied together, we went to church together, we did everything together, and that acted like a greenhouse. What does a greenhouse do? It, it, it optimizes the environment, right? It, you get just the right temperature and just the right amount of sun and just the amount of fertilizer and water and everything. It's like a greenhouse. And that experience for me was a greenhouse. I grew more in that than any other time in my life previously. Church should be like that. You shouldn't have to go somewhere or be in school or live in a certain place. What if, what if church was a spiritual greenhouse? And so that's what we have endeavored to do. And so we've identified next steps that you need to be a part of in order to, God gives the life. The Apostle Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. We can't, we can't create new life in people, but when God does, let's be good stewards of it. Let's optimize the environment. Let's make it so that, uh, so that you grow and flourish just like you were in a spiritual greenhouse. But you have to participate in that. You have to, you have to plant yourself in that greenhouse. So let me give you three aspects to that. Number one is to be a part of a congregation. All these begin with C's. I've talked about them in different ways before, but you need to be a part of a congregation. I want you to notice this. Congregate. That's the root of that. Community is commune. Assembly is to assemble. Now, we've been in a period where we've scattered. It's now time to congregate again. And I love the fact that the, the pandemic prompted us to, to ramp up our online presence and our video presence. And we're gonna continue that and we're gonna keep doing that, but that is not a substitute for being a part of an in-person, on-site, interacting with whatever. And I, you, you wouldn't argue with me this. Okay, we're gonna celebrate Christmas. Would you rather gather around the table with your family and friends your sons, daughters, your parents, your grandparents, your grandsons and granddaughters, or would you rather set up a bunch of iPhones and have a FaceTime? You're laughing. But, but what we have done is the same thing with church. Oh, I, I, can, just, I can just watch online. I can just p- put on the podcast or something like that. It's not the same. If that's the only option, great. But if you're a part of that and you can't be here, find a good church where you can connect or create one, you know, gather together at least a couple other people and watch together, interact together. You need that interaction and there's no substitute for it. And we need to just acknowledge that and embrace that and take the next step, be committed to showing up. Now people travel, people get sick, people have other responsibilities. There's no judgment here. But when you can, you should. Now, why? So that I can add up and have a nice bigger number? No, because I know this is, this, this is an element of the spiritual greenhouse. You're not gonna grow as well as you would in the greenhouse if you're out on the, the, the trash pile trying, trying, to, trying to set down roots, right? Where nobody knows you, nobody cares about you, you're just kind of out there on your own. We care about you, we love you, we want you to be here. We want you to be here. The Bible says, uh, in Hebrews, and let us not neglect the meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Is it more encouraging to be in person or listening by yourself online? It's, it's just a reality, and I want you to benefit from the reality rather than fight against it. I gotta keep going. Connect with your crew. Once you 
are a part of a congregation, you've identified with a local body of Christ, then it's important for you to be a contributing part, a member of that church. Connect with your crew. Two aspects of this. If you're going, uh, our faith is very relational. So if you're going to grow spiritually, you have to connect relationally. So you need not just to sit next to somebody on a Sunday morning. You need to make friends. You need to have a crew. And you need to be working together. So the first thing that I'm going to ask you to do if you're a part of our church is to find a job. What will that do? It will allow you to immediately begin a, a contributing to the body. You immediately are a part of a team. So you're going to be serving with someone. You're going to make friends. You're going to have somebody to sit with on Sunday morning. You're going to have somebody to call and connect with. And even if you're in a life group, which is not a traditional team, that life group, you're serving one another. Somebody's teaching, somebody's leading, somebody's organizing the prayer request, somebody's setting up the, the, the space or the Zoom meeting or whatever the case may be. You're serving one another and you've got a crew, you've got a family, you need that. You have to connect with your crew. Uh, we see this in the conclusion of Titus where it says our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good, meeting the urgent needs. What are we talking about? We're talking about meeting needs. A place that meets needs will always have a place. If we're going to be a thriving body of Jesus, what would the body of Christ do if he were here? Well, we saw what he did. He worshiped, he drew close to his heavenly father, he taught, and he healed. He went around meeting needs, and we're going to be doing the same thing. The other thing that this allows us to do is to be encouraged. Let us, the verse right before that verse in Hebrews says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. There has to be a certain level of connection for you to spur another person on, and that's what we're looking for. Third part of the, of the spiritual greenhouse. You need to be a part of a congregation. You need to find your crew, and you also need to make a contribution. And for generations, pastors and preachers have been talking about it in this way. Each of you has time, treasure, and talent to contribute to the body of Christ. Time, treasure, and talent. Time, you're going to be spending time serving others. Ta uh, treasure, uh, it's not just enough to serve. You have to, if you have to fund it. You have to give towards it in order for it to keep going from a human standpoint. God provides for his church through the giving of his people and your talents. God has given you skills, abilities that he wants you to leverage for the benefit of the body of Christ. And if you are not here to participate and, and to serve in some way, then we are suffering as a result. In 2 Corinthians 6, 8, did you notice this verse? We serve God. We serve God. We serve. We meet needs. And when we meet the needs of people, we are serving God. That was the point of the great commandment. Love God, love your neighbor. When you love God, you're loving your, you, you will love your neighbor. And when you're loving your neighbor, that's one of the ways that we love God. We serve God whether people honor or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. Don't let anything keep you from contributing. This is another thing that's happened over the last couple of years. People have, uh, understandably, there are positions and roles that aren't, don't exist anymore in our church. But that doesn't mean that we don't have a place and a need for you to serve. So let's find out how to do that. Because it's only as each part does its own special work, each part, every one of us, that it helps the other parts to grow, and the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what we want, a body that is healthy and growing and full of love. And in order for that to happen, we need your contribution. So God has unfinished business for you to do. Uh, 
he has a mission for us to accomplish. He has a next step for us to take, a place for us. And then lastly, we each have a decision to make. One of the things you've heard me say, again, we inspire and equip you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. We inspire and equip you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. That's what we are trying to accomplish. In Titus 3.5, it says that he saved us, God saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. There is a point, remember I was talking about it with baptism and the Great Commission, where each one of us has to decide, where do I stand? Have I crossed the line of faith? Do I belong to Jesus? So we need to say yes to Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 6, the passage we're looking at, as God's partners, we beg you, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness. We beg you to accept it, but don't stop there. Then ignore it. Don't, don't, don't just get started and then stall out. And in that passage, it continues. For God said, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. And when is that right time? And when is that today that the scriptures are talking about? <laughs> Paul describes it this way. Uh, indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to do something about what you have heard to cross the line of faith if that is your need, if you don't know where you, uh, where you have stood with the Lord, and then to keep going, to not accept it in vain, to not, to not stall out, to take these next steps because God has this unfinished business for you to do as well. And then in a similar passage, we looked at this on Friday night for those of you that were there for Restore New England. Another picking up of that theme of today, Hebrews 3.15. Remember what it says, talking about the scriptures. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Don't, uh, don't, don't push back. Don't excuse yourself. Don't make excuses. God has work for you to do. He wants you to be a part of his mission. He wants you to take next steps. He wants you to declare your allegiance to him. So that's why I always give every week an opportunity for people to cross the line of faith, to commit your life to Jesus. What you are doing is you're saying yes to his forgiveness and yes to his lordship so that your guilt from the past is washed away and God will write a new ending to your story and begin a work in you that he will not complete until, he won't give up on until it is completed. It makes you his unfinished business and he never leaves his business unfinished. Today we've talked about purpose. We've said that God's got unfinished business for you to do and I'm gonna encourage you to take a next step Get started on the journey. If you don't know where you stand with Jesus, say yes to Jesus. Let us know so that we can be encouraged and encourage you. And then I want you to be a participating member of the body of Christ. There are all kinds of next steps that we talked about. It's up to you to take that next step. Over time, soon, you'll be hearing more because we're going to revamp and renew our membership. At Cornerstone, membership has always been participating membership. If you're a part of a congregation, if you found your crew, and if, um, what was the third one? <laughs> Help me out, you got notes. Serving, okay. Uh, if, you, if you are contributing, that's right, that was the third C, congregation, crew, and contributing, then we will recognize you as a participating member 
in the body of Christ at Cornerstone. We need you on mission with us. So I'm going to pray, and then you'll be able to gather up, work through these, live it out questions. Remember, we're doing this a little bit differently. You're going to go to that key passage, the one that I read and the one that's highlighted, and you're going to read and respond to that together in your little crew for this Sunday morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what a privilege to know that you have made us your unfinished business and that you have committed to carry us through the whole way. What an honor that you would share your work with us invite us to participate in what you are doing in changing the world, beginning with us, expanding to the communities and circles around us and seeing our world transformed by the gospel. The fact that you would do that is gift enough. The fact that you would invite us to play a part in that to have a role to play, a position on the field, to be active participants in that. What an honor. May we never, ever shrink back from the honor that that is. Lord, I pray that you would show each of us exactly what we need to do with what we've heard today and then give us the courage and initiative to do it, to follow through. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.